Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, good evening, River of Life. How many of you were here helping us at the block party last night? Would you give them a round of applause? Two reasons. Uh, They helped out tremendously, but second of all, they made it back to church after helping out tremendously last night. Man, it was amazing. We we don't know what the exact number is, but uh, our best guesstimates are probably between seven and 800 people uh, came onto the grounds last night and just hung out with us here at the church. Uh, We gave away that many backpacks, and I want to take a moment right now because I know Star Valley is going to see this as well. Star Valley went first this year. They, they were the guinea pigs for us. So they did it last weekend. We did it this weekend. And at Star Valley, they gave out 127 backpacks, signed up 124 kids for school shoes. Um, so, I mean, I just, I was sitting there and watching, you know, the baptism video, you know, over 30 baptisms last weekend. All of these people coming onto the grounds, both here and going in and participating with Star Valley. Um, God is just doing some incredible, incredible things. And I, I just, I, I was sitting here and I was thinking to myself, I know so, and I've said this to you before, I know so many pastors whose summer is the time to slow down and to just go, hey, I know everybody's gonna be gone. And so we just kind of go into neutral for a little bit. But man, we had all of that take place. Today, 87 families received food from our food bank. Um, four families got their houses furnished today. Um, it's amazing to me to just, I mean, and again, like if you were here last night, you know what this place looked like and the amount of people that stayed late last night to tear down, the amount of people that came out this morning after being here late last night to put everything back away while other ministries were still going. I just, I can't brag enough about the people of this church and your heart to see people served and to give of your time and your effort and your resources and your energy. So I just wanna thank you so much for being such a blessing. Uh, just watching people as they, uh, as they came onto the grounds and they, I had one, one person stop me last night and they said, um, this is like the fair for East Missoula. And, uh, and I thought, that's really cool. And they said, but it's even better because it's free. Yeah. And, uh, And I just know that there are a lot of families that don't have the the resources to spend on going to what's going to happen next week in Missoula. So how cool is it that they can come here and they can experience some fun with their family and it doesn't cost them anything to do that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, Well, we are starting a new series that we've called No Hard Feelings. Uh, And I know that for some of you um, guys in the room, when we say, oh, it's a series about emotions, you're like, oh man, I should have went camping this weekend, right? The women in the house are going, yay! And the guys are like, oh, maybe that's, a, you know, maybe I'm, I'm uh, making generalities there. But I would say that probably more guys are less interested in talking about emotions uh, than, than women are. But feelings and emotions are tough, and sometimes we don't know what to do with our feelings. Uh, for us as guys, I think, I think it used to be that guys were told to, to not show emotion, 
like you are to, to just, you know, suck it up and be a man and don't, don't let any of your emotions show. And now we've kind of, the pendulum has swung to the other side where I think we've actually told guys to show too much emotion in a lot of areas. We've got guys that need their safe spaces and all of those kinds of things. And I think there's a balance. I think there's a, a space that we can find somewhere in between where, where we can understand that it's important. Feelings are healthy and it's healthy to feel, but we also need to not navigate by our feelings, okay? So to be able to experience what we're feeling, to be able to understand the emotions that we may go through, but to also understand that feelings can lie to us. Feelings are not a place that we may need to make our big life decisions on. But I also need you to know that Jesus is our ultimate example. And so Jesus came to this earth and he experienced emotion. We can see it throughout scripture. We know that he felt feelings. He acted on his feelings. He showed his emotions. We see him sad when Lazarus died. We see him filled with righteous anger at religious people. He was disgusted by greed and the opposition to the poor. Um, he felt compassion. We see that throughout scripture. He experienced agony as he talked to his father before he went to the cross he knew what it was to feel exhausted from the demands of ministry. He had all of those feelings and he didn't hide them. He didn't, he didn't just say, well, I gotta be a man, so I'm not gonna show them. He showed them because he was showing us that those are okay. Because Jesus could experience real emotions and real feelings and he was often able to still work through them or he was always able to work through them, but he also shows us that it's okay for us to, to feel those things, to experience those things, and he shows us how to navigate through them. We see in scripture that David, considered a man after God's own heart, was definitely in touch with his feelings. If you read the book of Psalms, you see that David is often crying out from his heart of, of how he's feeling in that moment. So I wanna look just for a moment at Psalm chapter 25, verse 11 through 16. It says this, for the honor uh, of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will, he will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. My eyes are always on the Lord for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. Turn to me and have mercy for I am alone and in deep distress. I wanna take a few moments today and I wanna talk about loneliness because loneliness is an emotion that many of us experience, have experienced, maybe are experiencing. And we don't really know how to navigate that a lot of times. And David is so vulnerable in the way that he writes and the way that he speaks to God. He says, I am alone and I am in deep distress. Loneliness is real, and it is often a big weapon that the enemy uses against the children of God. He, he wants you to feel alone. He wants you to feel isolated. He wants you to feel as though you, you are experiencing something that no one else ever has. David pours out his heart, and he tells God, I'm lonely, and I'm in great distress. Today, loneliness is more real than ever before. We have a facade of friendship. Um... It was about four years ago that this church walked through something that was extremely hard. And at the time, there was a businessman in town, and he had, he had asked me for years if, if he could send me to this thing that was called, uh, it was a leadership, it was Ultimate Leadership Conference. 
and it was in California, and I had rejected it and rejected it, wouldn't work with my schedule, couldn't do it, couldn't make it happen. And at this time, he, he said, I really think you need to go. And so I went, and as I went to this, this conference, it ended up being um, not only a conference about leadership, but it was a, a time where they broke us as leaders. It was pastors. I've shared a little bit about this in here before, but it was pastors and business leaders and, and people from all different walks of life. And they broke us into small groups of six, seven, or eight people. And they did basically group therapy with us for a week. And in that moment, I remember sitting in there thinking, I don't really know what I have to talk about in this room with all of these strangers. And people began to share things that they were struggling with and all this. And in the middle of that, what, what I began to see inside of me was that I was a person who was experiencing some loneliness. Now, that may seem weird to you. You may go, how is that even possible? You're married. And obviously, my wife and I have a great relationship. But when it comes to friendships, I was realizing that I, I was lacking friendships. Now, for many of you, you look and you're like, hey, I see you after church and you stand in the back and everybody shakes your hand and everybody wants to talk to you. But I also, being a pastor and having grown up in a pastor's home, I know that there are a lot of relationships that I have and that most pastors have that are based on title. So, so as you, you sit here today and you're like, oh, I don't, think, I don't think that's true, Jason. But I've watched as pastors will leave a church, they'll, they'll accept another position, they'll retire, my dad being one of them, they'll walk away from, from something. And as soon as they walk away, they, my dad and my mom walked away from a church that was probably at the time running about 1,000 people. And maybe... 10 to 12 of those people stayed in constant contact with my parents after they left. And my parents stayed in the same town. So, so having said that, that's not a pity party. That's nothing like that. But in that moment, I realized that, that I can assume that I have, you know, five, six, 700 friends, or I can really pay attention and figure out what is friendship for me? What does that look like? Now, this is super practical, but I, but I do believe that there are so many people that because of things like social media and things like that, we feel as though we have a bunch of friends. You get on there and you're like, man, I got 800 people that are friends of mine on Facebook. You want to know if they're really your friends? Ask them to help you move. <laughs> Put it out on Facebook. I'm moving on Saturday. Come and help me. And when three people show up, you'll know how many friends you got that are on social media, right? That's it. it's, it's a weird space, but as I was walking through this time in my life, one of the things that I realized is that it's super important for us to pay attention to this. If you've ever been sitting at home alone on a Friday night and you hop onto social media, one of the things that you'll see is what everyone else is doing. Or worse yet, you'll see a group of your friends who have all gotten together to go to dinner or a concert or something, and then you sit and wonder, why was I not invited? Social media has magnified this thing, right? What used to be that, hey, I have a friend group and we would go do this on this Friday night and the next Friday night I may or may not go, I would never know whether I was invited or not invited. But now all of a sudden, you have these, these moments where you're sitting at home going, I wonder what everybody else is doing. And you start doing this on your phone and you're like, oh, apparently they went out to dinner tonight. Oh, apparently there was a concert I didn't know about. Oh, apparently, you know, and you start feeling rejected. And loneliness is a real thing. 
Side note on that, be mindful what you post. Be mindful what you post. Sometimes we get kind of where we're a little bit bragging on social media. Look at all the things I'm doing. Look at all the things I've got going. Look at all the friends that I'm spending time with. And we do it because it makes us feel good. We get the likes. We get everybody commenting on how great you look and all the things. But the reality is what we may be doing is magnifying in other people's lives, making them feel less than. Side, side note on that. If you do go to a concert, put your phone down anyhow. There's nothing worse than sitting behind. So I, I was at a concert one time and the person had an iPad that they were filming with. I'm literally looking at the concert through their iPad instead of the actual seeing the concert. And I don't know who sits and watches that after the concert anyhow. It looks horrible. Just put it, anyhow, that has nothing to do with what I'm preaching on. I want to talk about this for just a moment because I think that there's, there's power in understanding why at times we feel lonely. If we don't spend time cultivating relationships, we can often find ourselves in positions where we do feel isolated and alone. After I came back from this conference, I was having conversations with people, and one of the things that, that began to ring true to me is to really look at Jesus and the way that he lived his life. I've said this to many of you in the room before, because even in times where we've sat and had conversation about friendships, I really feel like there's a model that Jesus lays out for us. You see, Jesus had the multitude, right? He had the crowd. He would go somewhere, the crowd would go with him, right? So he is popular. Man, Jesus was popular. But we also see that the crowd turned like that, right? It didn't take much for that crowd to become not for Jesus anymore. Then Jesus had the 12, right? And not even all of them stuck with him. But he cultivated the relationship with the 12. And then as you break it down even further, you see that Jesus really poured into three, and if John the Baptist, or if John, not John the Baptist, if John has anything to say about it, John would say there was the one that was the closest, right? The one whom Jesus loved, right? Um, but as we look at that and we begin to, to spend a little bit of time looking at that, in your own life, where are those areas that you're saying, hey, I have the multitude, that's your Facebook friends, right? And they may be with you, they may not be with you. They may, they may be the people that would come and help you move, but I doubt it, Right? But who are the 12 in your life that you're saying, I really want these relationships. I really am gonna pour into them. I'm gonna spend time with these people. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do everything that I can. Who are the three? And can I tell you the three in your life should be the people that when you're walking through something, you can be as real as you need to be. Yes. You, can, you can speak truth about what's happening in your life and they're not gonna judge you. They're not gonna make you feel bad about what, you, what you're feeling or thinking. Because again, we've gotten to this place where our feelings, we kind of feel like we gotta hide them or, or whatever, and that's dangerous. We need to have some space in our life where we can speak freely and be real. And so inside of this, we see that, that, that that's how Jesus did it. And so if Jesus did it, we can always assume that that's a good model. So I wanna encourage you as, as, for us as believers, we need to cultivate real friendships. Hallelujah. I used to, as a, as a youth pastor, I'd always tell teenagers, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I know that's an old saying, but it still rings true. But even as we're talking about that in your three, 
Make sure that the three people that you really want to have as your close friends are people who are going to point you towards Jesus, right? You don't need to have, if, you, if you're spending time with somebody who's negative about everything, you're going to become negative about everything. If you're spending time with somebody who is uplifting and can always help point you to a place where, hey, I, I know this has been a rough season for you, but I know that God is in control and he's gonna walk this through with you and I'm gonna be praying with you and, and, and I'm gonna just keep encouraging you not to give up and to, and to be strong and to, and to trust him. All of that, that, that's the people that you want speaking into your life. So, we studied over the past month about Paul, and he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. I, I said that over and over again in that last series, but Paul also suffered from loneliness. Paul had these moments, I mean, here he, he did what he was supposed to do, he get locked up in prison. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it says this, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety to the Gentile, for the Gent all Gentiles to hear. Um, so here Paul is saying, man, I have all these friends. I go preach, man, I fill a house. I got people that show up. But now I'm going through a trial. I'm going through a hard time, a little trial, and no one showed up. Everyone abandoned me. Eventually, everyone experiences loneliness. Loneliness isn't prevented by beauty or wealth or fame or success. Even marriage doesn't protect you against loneliness. Many people marry because they're lonely, but then later they'll divorce for the same reason. The Apostle Paul's life goal, even toward, uh, in, in all that he did, was for other people to know about Jesus. In 2 Timothy, he talks about about being brought before the judge. He stands there alone. And so I wanna talk about how is it that we can come to a place. I'm not gonna say that I've got the answer so that you'll never experience loneliness because that's not realistic. But if you're in the room today or if you're watching online or you're, you're watching in Star Valley, can I just say there is things that we can do to make sure that we put ourselves into a position so that when we have those moments where we do feel loneliness, that, that we can come out of that very quickly. I think there's a lot of people today that live in a constant state of loneliness. And that is not what God has for you. God, even as Paul experiences this moment of loneliness where he says, everybody abandoned me, he's reminded of the fact that God did not abandon him. That God is with him. That God will walk this out. So the first thing I want you to look at is changing your focus. Paul's focus was on others because he knew that everyone needed to hear about God's love. He could have focused on his own problems, but instead he looked at what he could do to help others. That's why I love all of the things that, that we do when we do outreach. I love that last night, there are some of you that came onto the grounds last night and you are helping and you are in the middle of it. You're having problems, you're having struggles, you got real things that are going on inside of your home, inside of your life. But you said, I'm gonna set that down. I met with a gentleman this week who, who he, he has some real stuff that's going on, some hardships that are, that are could be overwhelming. And, and at the end of this meeting, as he was telling me what had been going on, he said, hey, I'm coming to serve at the block party. And I said, wow, you are? That's amazing. 
And he said, he said, oh yeah, I've been hearing you talk about it, so I'm coming. And I got to talk to him afterwards last night and, and he said, man, this was so refreshing to be able to be in this room and to watch these kids get all these school supplies and all of these things. And I thought to myself, isn't that just the way that God works? We can sit at home and woe is me and feel bad for ourselves, or we can say, you know what? Even in the midst of what's going on in my life, maybe you are in a, in a season where your children have abandoned you or your, your friendships have broken up or whatever, and you can sit at home and, and question and, and feel bad for, or you can say, you know what, God? I'm gonna just, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna pour out and I'm gonna serve and I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch what you do through me when I, when I lay myself down and I just say, God, whatever you wanna use me for, use me for it. And all of a sudden now you're not feeling lonely anymore. What you're feeling is, is other emotions that have to do with, with this understanding that God is using you for a bigger picture than, than what you have in your mind. When you're lonely, don't have a pity party. Stop saying I'm alone and nobody loves me and nobody even likes me. When you do that, what you're doing is you're focusing on yourself. Instead, turn your focus outward. Begin to build bridges with other people. You'll find there are a lot of lonely people who are also looking for connection. I've said this here before, but I'll have people that will come and they'll sit and they'll say, oh yeah, you know, I want to go to church, but no one talks to me at church. Usually when somebody says that to me, it's because they usually are the ones that slip in during the first song and slip out during the last song. And there's no space for anybody to talk to you. But the other thing I will say to you is if you're here and you're like, hey, I feel like nobody talks to me, who are you talking to? Who are you watching for? Because you're not the only one that feels like that. And so when you come in and I, I see this where people will come in and they'll, churches maybe five minutes from starting, they'll find their seat and they'll sit down and just kind of just wait and stare at the screen. Meanwhile, the row behind them, there's somebody doing the exact same thing. And they're like, man, if only somebody would talk to me. And all they have to do is just make this little turn like that, right? And now all of a sudden they have the opportunity to be to somebody else. You want to have a good friend? Be a good friend. You want to have real relationships? Go and make real relationships with people. We can't just sit back and expect that they're all going to come to us. There are so many people that are in need of connection, what if when you came to church, before you even entered the room, you just prayed a simple little prayer? Father, help me to be a friend to people who need a friend. God, show me somebody who's lonely. Show me somebody who's hurting. Show me somebody who's in need of a conversation. And then keep your eyes open and watch what God does. The other thing is, when I say, you want to have a good friend, be a good friend. It's amazing to me when I see somebody move. Somebody's going to move and they're, they're, they'll call me like, hey, I can't get anybody to help me. Like nobody will help. And so we do what we can. We don't have a moving ministry at this church. Amen. Um, we, when we started the church, we had this thing called street teams and street teams would occasionally help people move. And then it became a moving ministry. And guess what happened when it became a moving ministry? I couldn't get anybody to volunteer to do it anymore, Right. So, so we did away with that. But what happens is I'll have somebody that like, man, I could really use help. Could the church come help me move? So we'll do what we can. We'll throw it out there and get a few people to go help them. And the next time someone else needs help moving, that person is AWOL, uh -huh. right? Yep. We want from you what you have, but I don't want to give back what, what, uh, what I took. 
And that's how a lot of times we live our lives when it comes to friendships. When I want you, I want you, but when you want me, I'll, I'll determine whether or not I'm available or not. You wanna, you wanna have a good friend? Be a good friend. Oftentimes, empathy is the antidote to loneliness, understanding where other people are. What causes loneliness in your life? Extreme seasons of transition can do that. Separation can do that. Being in a place where you felt rejected could do that. And that can lead us to some devastating feelings where we do feel like we're isolated and all alone. But don't let difficult times keep you from reaching out to other people. Again, if you keep your focus outside of yourself... If you begin to watch for people who are on the fringe, people who are, are not being loved, people who are not being cared for, then all of a sudden now you have a mission. And inside of that mission, what happens is something changes inside of us where we're not self-focused, but we're outwardly focused. And out of that, now we find purpose. Watch for people who are in need and step into their story. Isaiah 53, 3 says this, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. So the prophet is talking about Jesus. So if you're sitting here and you're feeling alone, you're not alone in feeling alone. Jesus knew what that felt like. Jesus knew what it was like to live his life for people and have them still reject him. We talked about the multitude a few moments ago. Uh, Again, he comes in, he's paraded in, everybody is celebrating him, and days later, those same people have now turned and they're calling for his crucifixion. The people that he poured into the most denied him, didn't show up, weren't around, they ran, they fled, they hid, all of those things. Jesus knows what it is to feel lonely. So the second thing that we need to understand is that know who you are and what God sees when he sees you. It doesn't matter what people think, it only matters what God thinks. If you woke up feeling lonely this morning, God has something to say to you. I understand exactly how you feel. God is with us even in those difficult seasons. If you think Jesus doesn't understand loneliness, you're wrong. Jesus was despised and rejected by the people he created. He experienced loneliness throughout his entire life. And during his final hours, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. This was an emotional time for him. He knew what was going to happen the next day. He separated, he knew he was going to be separated from his father. And since Jesus hadn't had need of human companionship, he looked to his three best friends, Peter, James, and John, and he says to them, I'm very sad. Will you stay here and be alert with me? Will you pray with me? And what do they do? They fall asleep. And he, and he goes back to him. He goes, you guys couldn't even, just for an hour, you couldn't stay awake with me? Like you, 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 you see where I'm at. You see how I'm feeling. And Jesus must have felt so lonely in that moment, knowing that he was walking through the hardest moments of his life and his closest friends weren't there for him. So he understands. And then the next day, as he's nailed, or days later when he's nailed to the cross, we see that, that he says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? So even in that, he feels God's abandonment of him. 
And since Jesus was carrying the sins of the world, the Father couldn't look at sin. So Jesus was truly alone in that moment. So Jesus knows what it is to feel lonely. And he wants to relieve you of your loneliness. Here's the thing. This is a topic that I'll be honest with you, I've never preached on before. But even this week, as I had already written this message, I had somebody last night at the block party pull me aside and began to say, I feel completely isolated. I feel alone. I feel as though I've tried to be a good friend and I don't have anybody that, that is reciprocating that. And I just, it just rung so true to me because I think there are so many of us that just kind of gone on autopilot where we don't really work on relationships. We don't really try. We, uh, again, social media gives us this false sense of community that isn't actually real. Why is it that the church pushes and, and we're going, you're going to see these things start to be advertised really hard again soon? And that is, that is our life groups being able to share life with people, being able to sit in a room with other couples and other people and other individuals that you can sit and you can, you can talk about this. This is what's going on in my life. This is the struggle. How can we apply God's word to that? And, and being able to just laugh together, cry together, be together. Because God does not want you to be alone. He doesn't want you to experience loneliness on a regular basis. Maybe loneliness isn't an issue, issue for you today. However, you might be surprised by who the lonely people are around you. When I, when I share with you that as a pastor, there are a lot of times that I feel lonely. Many of you don't understand that. That doesn't, make, that doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense to you. Because sometimes some of the people that look like there's no way they could ever be lonely are some of the most lonely people. Sometimes the people who, when they walk into a room and they, they can put on a good show and make everybody laugh and everybody seems to be around them, they go home and they feel alone. So as believers, not only does God want to, to speak into your life and to show you how to live a life where you don't have to feel that and you don't have to walk and live in that, but he also wants us to be paying attention to those who are around us who are experiencing that. That's called the love of God when we are able to, to say, hey, I, I see that you might be in pain. I see that you might be in the middle of a struggle and I want to be there for you. If you are here today and you are lonely and you are experiencing this emotion, Jesus understands and he wants to bring you relief. And the ultimate way that Jesus can relieve loneliness is by making, him, making you a part of his family. Through his own lonely death and his resurrection, Jesus made it possible for us to belong to God's family. So if you're sitting here today and, and you'd say, you know, Jason, I, don't, I, I do feel alone. I feel as though my life is a constant struggle. I feel as though every time I, I make two steps forward, I take three steps back. Everything is hard and I don't really understand what it is to, to feel like I'm part of anything. So many people, even, even today, I, I heard about a, a guy who, who has, has a relationship with somebody here at the church who took his own life, and, and, and that always, it always breaks my heart that somebody would come to a place where they felt that isolated, that alone, they felt that rejected, they felt as though there's no hope even. When we serve a God who sees you and he loves you and there is hope for you, it doesn't matter what your backstory is. It doesn't matter how messed up you are. 
I love this place because I know that some of your stories are so crazy. I love being able to spend time at, at, at places like Teen Challenge and hearing stories from the Grace House and knowing that there are people in our community who had been written off at one time and now because of God's grace and love and because somebody took the time to say, even though you feel rejected, even though you feel alone, even though you feel as though there's no hope, we're going to speak truth to you and hope to you and love to you so that you can experience what God has for you. So maybe you're here and maybe you'd be honest and say, you know, Jason, I don't really know what it is to feel like I'm part of God's family. Maybe you've even accepted Christ into your life before, but, it, but you're not walking that out. You're not trusting in it. You're not believing. Well, today is your opportunity. I'm going to ask everybody in the room if you just close your eyes with me for the next few moments. If you're in this place today or you're watching in Star Valley, and if you're watching in Star Valley, instead of looking at the screen, I'm going to have you just look at Zeb and, and he's, he's going to be able to walk this through with you. But if you're in this room today and you say, you know, Jason, I, I have experienced loneliness or I, I feel isolated or I don't really feel like I'm a part of, of God's family. I don't, I don't feel like I belong anywhere. Or maybe you're just here and you'd say, you know, I, I've accepted Christ in the past, but if I'm being honest, I haven't really been walking that out. I haven't really been putting my hope or my trust in him. Today you have this opportunity to be able to say, I want to put my, my faith in Jesus. See, Jesus came and he died on that cross. He died a lonely death so that you don't have to be lonely. You don't have to be alone. You can be a part of God's family. You can experience what it is to be a child of the Most High King. So if you're here today and you'd say, yeah, I wanna make that relationship with God. I wanna know what it is to put my hope and my trust in Him. I'm gonna ask you to do me a favor. The thing is, is I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to start being religious. I'm asking you to say yes to Jesus Christ. I'm, yes, I'm asking you to say, God, I believe that Jesus came and he died on the cross for my sin. I believe that he loves me right where I am. I believe that he rose again on that third day and I believe that when I put my faith in him, that I can have relationship. And through that relationship, my sins can be forgiven, hope can be restored, because that's what God wants for you. He wants it so badly that he sent his son to pay a price so that you can have that. So if you're here today and you wanna make that relationship, you want to step into that relationship with God, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor and I'm going to ask you just to lift up your hand and to catch my eye because I want to pray with you before you leave this place today. Okay, man, I see you. Yeah, I see you back there. Yeah. Thanks, man. Is there anybody else today? Yeah, I see you. That would just say, Jason, will you remember me in this closing prayer? I just want to make my relationship right with God before we close this out. Okay, I see you back there. 
take one more moment. Is there anybody else that you would just say, yeah, Jason, will you remember me? close with a prayer and I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to ask everybody to repeat the prayer with me when we're done with this then the transition is going to be that if you're in a space where you just feel like man I I've been I've been seeking for the world's approval I've been trying to put myself into a place where I can be accepted by as many people as possible because I'm so tired of feeling alone remedy to that is putting yourself into a place where you say, God, I want your approval. I want, I want to do what you're asking me to do. I want to live in such a way that I bring honor and glory to you. Then when man rejects, it doesn't matter as much because you're, you're seeking him. But let's pray this prayer together. Everybody in the room, will you just repeat this with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you are here for me. I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. I know that he rose again on the third day. So today I'm choosing to follow him. Forgive me of my sin and help me to be who you want me to be. Today I am a child of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. You prayed that prayer and you meant it. You just started your relationship with Jesus Christ. You are a child of the Most High King and you are not alone. Would you give them a round of applause? We're going to close with a little bit of worship, but as we do that, I just, I really feel like there's some of you in the room that you know exactly, as I talk about loneliness, you know exactly what that feels like. It's something that maybe you're experiencing right now. In these last few moments, will you just come to a place where you just say, God, will you help me to change my focus? Let my focus be on pleasing you and not pleasing people. Because here's the thing, if you, you do something that makes you wildly popular, the next day you can be wildly unpopular. It's fleeting. The multitude loved him then they hated him. The same could be true in your life. But the thing about God is, if you lean in and say, God, I just want to pursue you, he will always love you, but he will also bring you to a place where you begin to feel fulfilled whatever season you find yourself in. God, I thank you for all that you do. I pray that in these closing moments, that Lord, we would just be honest about where we are, that we would be truthful and real, that God, we won't be afraid to admit areas where we're struggling, but that God, we will know that in our realness with you, that God, you can bring healing, you can bring peace, and you can bring strength. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. There are prayer teams down here if you want to be prayed for. Will you just stand as we close in worship? Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. 
you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks.